Who saw the um, devotion on Friday morning? Okay, one. Okay, great. So there's, there's a lot that's going to repeat from Friday's devotion. But we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6. Right? If you have the word with you, you can page there. Okay, so say this is God's word. It was inspired by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit move upon my heart. And I will receive the word. And it will grow and bear fruit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright. So, I'm going to start in verse... Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is sound, the entire body will be full of light. But if your eye is unsound, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the very light of your conscience is darkened, how dense is that darkness? Okay, so another place in the Bible, in James chapter 3, the body is connected to the tongue and not the eye. It says in James chapter 3, it says, the tongue is a little member and it boasts of great things. Okay, it says the tongue depraves the whole body. And it, and it gives an example of you put a bit in the horse's mouth and you can just, you know, steer that horse wherever you want to go. If you have, if you have control of that bit in the horse, you can turn him wherever you want and the horse can go wherever you want him. All right? So he says, in the same way, our tongue, it's a small, small little member. But if the Spirit of God has control of the tongue, he has control of the, the body. If not, if, if the tongue is speaking wickedness, it says it depraves the whole body. All right? But now he says the eye is the lamp of the body. So if the eye is sound. Now the King James here says, uh, verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. So that single doesn't mean you, you're, you know, like you're a cyclops or something. It means, is that the right word? Right. So it means that you have an intense focus on one thing. A single eye. It's not looking there, looking there, looking there, looking there. James says, uh, when, you know, when you ask, do not doubt. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways so if the word of the lord came to you get your eyes on that word and get your eyes single on that word and don't look to this side don't look to this side don't look to this side but let your eye which is the lamp of the body look to a specific source of light and let that light fill your whole body all right so where you look determines what's gonna dwell inside you all right? If you're going to look to the cross of Christ, you see the glory of the Lord shining, and it's going to shine into your heart, and you're going to be full of light. 
If you look to your problems, there's, there's no life in it. The problems have their source in, in death, in the absence of the Spirit of God. If you look to that, it, it kind of darkens what you experience in your heart. So, the scripture that you know by this time very well, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 15, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts and minds. But when a person turns in repentance to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. So that means we need to turn away from even the law that tells me what I must do to become like God or to become acceptable to God. To Jesus who has already made you acceptable to God by his blood. So we turn away from anything to Jesus. So that's what, and, and Moses even testified himself in Acts chapter 3, around about verse 22. He says, God will raise up a prophet like he raised up me, and him shall you listen to. And everyone that doesn't listen to him shall be cut off from among the people. So even Moses warned beforehand, he said, listen, I'm speaking of someone else that should come and fulfill everything that I've, that I've written. There's someone coming. You must listen to him. And when he came, no one recognized him. Because everyone prided themselves on being a disciple of Moses. But Moses, when Moses is read, a veil comes. On the heart, on the mind. So it means it covers up the supernatural. It, it covers up what you can see in the spirit. So the more you're in tune with the law of Moses, the less you can see in the spirit. And the more that you're in tune with the spirit of God, Looking away from legalistic ordinances by which to live to try and become acceptable to God. But looking to the living Christ who has already paid the price for you and fulfilled everything written in the book of the law. And has given you by grace salvation. He's given you by grace justification. He's given you by grace forgiveness. If you look to him, the veil is stripped off and taken away. Okay, and now it says in verse 18, 2 Corinthians 3, he says, and we behold him. So behold means to look with intention. Behold means you turn your gaze to something and you look to see what's going on there. As we behold him, okay, we are transformed into the very same image. So when you look to the face of Jesus that the Spirit of God is revealing to you, you see the glory of the Lord shining through. That's just in the next chapter, 2 Corinthians 4, it says the glory of the Lord as revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. So the Spirit of God will reveal to you the face of Jesus Christ. The face of Jesus Christ is shining with ever-increasing glory. So if you can see the glory in the face of Jesus and keep your gaze there and behold him, you will be transformed in ever-increasing glory, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, uh, from glory to glory. In context, it's the glory of Moses to the glory of Jesus. The fading glory is you changed away from the fading glory into the increasing glory of Jesus. All right. So the glory is light. And it shines from the face of Jesus. 
So we need to steadfastly look and behold the face of Jesus. When we behold the face of Jesus Christ, we are changed into his image. It's not in trying to change to become acceptable to Jesus. That's religion. It is in looking to Jesus. And looking to Jesus causes us to look like Jesus. All right? Looking to Jesus causes us to look like Jesus. The more you look to his face, the more you will look like him. The more you will reflect him. Okay, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is single on him, light shines and your whole soul is filled with light. Your whole heart is filled with light. And you start operating in righteousness, which is light. Okay, so Ephesians 5 says, awake you sleeper and arise and Christ will give you light. First Corinthians 15 says, um, awake to righteousness and sin not. Okay, so there's an awakening. And then he says, and some of you have not the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. So we're supposed to have the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? You know who he is because you're looking at him. And you start to experience the same inside because he dwells in you. You start to look like him. So we need to behold Look to him, and we are transformed into his very own image. All right? Okay, if we can just get this, we can all go home. That's a message. Okay? If we can just get this. All right. So there's a supernatural life. There's a supernatural realm that we need to look into, where we can see things that other people cannot see. So Jesus lived from there. And I keep on saying this. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. So he was looking into the supernatural. The father is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay? He said, God is spirit and those who worship the father must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay. So um, we need to look to the unseen. Okay. So 2 Corinthians 4 that you also know very well, verse 17 and 18. He says, this light momentary affliction is ever more and more producing for us a greater weight of glory, the light, the manifestation, as we look not to the things which are seen, the touch feel see realm, but to the things that are unseen, which is the supernatural in Christ. And um, when we look to the supernatural, he says, um, this this affliction is actually producing for us a greater weight of glory. If you're going through something, here's how to see the glory of God in your situation. Look to Jesus in the midst of, of it all. Get your eyes single on him. Okay? He's producing an everlasting weight of glory. Excessively surpassing all comparisons, says the Amplified. Okay? Um, it says a glory and a blessedness never to cease. As we look not to the things which are seen, but to the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are unseen are deathless and everlasting. Right. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Right. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I love 2 Corinthians. Okay. Verse 17 says, If any man be in Christ. Okay. So you know you're in Christ, right? Christ is in you, and you are in Christ. You are born again. You are in him, and he is in you. 
Okay, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old things, the natural, the limited life, the natural life, is passed away. The old things, the law and the prophets, Moses, is passed away. Behold, all things are made new, fresh and new. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Okay. So we need to behold. Do you want to see that new creation in manifestation in your life? Yes. You know, people preach steps and keys. Here's one step, one key. You can, you can pick if you want to call it a step or a key. But it's a step key. <laughs> to unlock everything in the supernatural, everything that is in God and get it into your life. Look to Jesus. Look to him and see what he shows you. Look to him and see what is in him. Look to him and see what your inheritance is in Christ. And you're only going to see it if you look to his face. You're not going to see it if you try to figure out how to fix everything on your own. It's so simple. Look to him. Turn to him. Look to him. If anyone is heavy laden, burdened, let him come unto me and I will give him rest. My yoke is soft, my burden is light. So if you're burdened, come to him. Look to him. Approach him, draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. We need to get our attention on him and away from everything else. I think this is probably the theme of the last year of what I'm preaching. <laughs> but, but today, this thing is just really standing out to me, is to look and to see. And we need open ears and open eyes in the Spirit. If we, if we can hear what God is saying, what the Spirit is saying, and if we can see in the Spirit, what the, if, the, if we can see what the Spirit is showing us, then we can live from that realm and we can change this world to look like the heavens. Okay? Let your kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. Everyone wants to fly away, O glory. Okay? Everyone wants to run away. To heaven. One day in heaven. Now, now we're all just sitting here like sitting ducks. You know, anything that can happen can happen to us and we even blame that on God. Not we, but people. Okay? And one, but one day in heaven everything's going to be better. So everyone is waiting to die and go to heaven. Give me one scripture that says death is the way to the Father. Give me one scripture that says death is your way to heaven. Your doorway to heaven. Okay, But the word says in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the door. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father ex except through me. So it's not about going to heaven. It's about coming to the Father. And you can only come to the Father through Jesus Christ. But you're supposed to come to the Father while you are alive and while you remain. So that the Father can come to earth in your life through you, manifest in you, and so that the kingdom can be expressed on the earth, and he will do that through a believer. These signs will follow them that believe. So it's not one day we're going to go to heaven. No, that's not the message. 
If someone dies, are they going to heaven? For sure. Because they've already been in heaven with Christ since they got born again. They already they passed over from death into life the moment they got born again. With Christ already. So you are already there. Maybe you're just not aware of it. Okay. If you got born again, you're with him. So it's not about traveling to heaven. You travel to heaven in soaking, in prayer, in the word, in meditation, when your awareness is with him. Right here on, uh, on earth. Not in the sweet by and by, in the nasty now and now. Okay? In the midst of it all, look away from all that will distract. In the midst of it all, uh, this light momentary affliction is producing for us a greater weight, with other words, a manifestation of glory. As we look not to what's going on around us, but to the unseen. So we need to regularly visit God and have fellowship with Him. Regularly. Until we walk in such a relationship with Him that we have unbroken fellowship in manifestation. Everywhere you go, it's just Him. And I'm aware of only Him and nothing else. Christ manifested on the earth. We need to surrender our hearts to Him. Don't let your emotions control your destiny. An emotion is a very, very changeable thing. It's something that goes up and down all the time. Don't be led by emotions. But let the Holy Ghost bring holy emotions into you and show you what you, what you can feel like, show you what you can be like. Okay? So let the Holy Ghost show you who He is inside of you. Give Him your attention. All right? So in, in a situation, if something happens, in that moment, would you just turn to Him in your heart? Would you just turn to him, Lord, here I am. And let him say something. Let him do something. Let him show you something. Tune yourself in to seeing the Spirit, to hearing the Spirit. All right. All right. So I just want to read a couple of verses still. You know me. Okay. We quoted a few, but now we're going to read a few. Let's go to Ephesians. Chapter 1. And then we're going to look at a few examples. And I want you to see in those examples that this is, this is what you can have in your life. All right. Hallelujah. All right. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. That he may grant you a spirit of wisdom, revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. You see, there's the knowledge of God and there's the insight into mysteries and secrets. Okay? He says, by the, having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. The eye is the lamp of the body. Keep your eye single. Let your eye look to him. Okay? Something I didn't quote yet, Hebrews chapter 12, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us look away. Let us run this race with steady and active persistence, looking away from all that will distract. Unto your problems. No. Unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. And then it starts talking about the suffering of Jesus on the cross. All right? 
So by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. So if you can see what the other saints have and what they walk in, you can see, you can have a hope of something that you can realize what you are called for. If you look to what other people have already seen in the Spirit, if you look to the biographies of men of God that's really operating, and even, even alive now, but people in times past, how they've moved in the Spirit and operated in the Spirit, read biographies, look to, those, to the, the lives of people who have gone before us. If you see something in their lives, I'm talking about people like Sundar Singh, Okay, who just walked in unbroken fellowship with Jesus all the time. Okay, that's what you can have. That's what you're supposed to have. That's what you're called to. If you look to people like uh, T.L. Osborne, people like Lester Sumrall, people like John G. Lake, like Smith Wigglesworth and Catherine Kuhlman, all those people. If you see the fellowship that they had with the Holy Spirit, if you see the tremendous glory of God that shone out of them, even so much that people would just fall out in the power when they walk into a room. Catherine Kuhlman had her own private entrance at the airport. Not because she was such a VIP, well she was, but because if she walked through the terminal, everyone falls out in the power and it's chaos in the terminal. Because of the power of God that's on her life. They gave her a separate door. Because the people fell out under the power in the airport terminal, 1970s. Okay? So, that's what you're called to. You can have such a weight of glory on your life that whenever you walk, people are blessed. You just stand next to someone in the, in the elevator and their pains go. You just, you know, not even having to touch them. You just walk past someone and, and they're healed. Peter, remember Peter the Apostle, the first Pope? Okay. Walking in the streets, people bringing out the sick into the streets that his shadow will just fall over them. Is it the shadow or is it just the close proximity? <laughs> There's such a manifestation of Christ on him that he just walked past them close enough that his shadow, shadow can fall over them and they healed because of what he carried. That's someone who can see Christ. That's someone whose eyes are fixed on Jesus. So maybe we don't really see the importance of having our eyes fixed on Jesus because we really haven't seen the effect of it so much. Okay? So something that I've personally experienced uh, with Prophet Kobus Marinsburg years ago in United Spiritual Ministry. So there was a conference and between sessions at the conference, I, w I went up, there's like a prayer room on top of the, of the foyer. That was the first prayer tower. They built a different prayer tower outside as you come into the property a little bit later. So I was up in that first prayer tower and the windows look out over the property. I was just, you know, just praying and praying in tongues for the next session and so on. And, but my, my uh, face was turned out to outside I, my, my, I had my back to the door I was just praying and praying and suddenly the whole place became electric and I just felt like the presence of God and I turned around the prophet Kobus walked in the door as he walked in I could feel it okay 
So another time, that was further back, maybe 2006, 2005, thereabout. Okay? We were there also at Spirit Word, and Prophet T.B. Joshua came to visit. One service. And all the time I was there, he was there once. Okay? So you can have your opinions, whatever. It's fine. But I stood in the worship. He wasn't there yet. He wasn't in the building yet when the worship started. So we were standing in the, Like, if that's the center aisle, and if this is the area where people usually stand, you know, in Spirit Word, we all, always stood in front worshiping. Okay? So I was standing like, maybe like this, close, close to the stage. And this, okay, it's a bigger scale, but, <laughs> but, you know, I was standing here in front, and there's the aisle, like this. And suddenly I felt like an energy or a power radiating to me, and I could pinpoint it. I, it felt like coming from this. And when I turned around, Prophet T.B. Joshua was standing like two meters behind me in that exact, you could feel him standing there. You could feel something radiating from you. You could feel it. It feels like, you know... I think the closest I can describe it in the natural is when you're close to a fire or close to a heater. The heat radiating out to you. you can, if you get to close proximity, you can feel the heat coming to you. So it's like that, but it's not temperature. <laughs> you, you feel something. Okay? So uh, that kind of thing. It's, it's something that people carry. When you see what they have, when your eyes open to what you can have in the Spirit, you realize, man, I'm called to something greater. I'm called to carry the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm called to be the, a walking, talking, holy of holies, a temple of the Holy Ghost. Wherever I go, the presence of God goes. You're supposed to be the Ark of the Covenant in the earth today. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? God tabernacles with us. He's, he's not, we're not looking for the ark in Ethiopia and we're not going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Sorry, it's not going to happen. You are the temple. Jesus said, break the thing down. So the presence of God, the, the Shekinah glory, the manifest presence of God will never be in a building or on a, on a thing made with hands. You can read it in Acts chapter 7 if you don't believe me. God does not dwell in temple, temples made with hands. So, what is going to happen? God is going to dwell in you to such an extent that people will see Him in you and not you. To such an extent that you radiate the glory of God like the sun shining at full power in midday. That's what you are called to. But if you can keep your eyes on Jesus, you will see the manifestation of that coming. You can never produce that by trying to live holy. But you, but you can experience it by just setting your face like a flint toward Jesus and just looking into his eyes and never take it out. Never take your face away from him. This is the one thing of all the true prophets that I've met in my life that I can see is their attention is always with Jesus. And they don't react to stuff around them. But they change stuff around them with the word of the Lord that's coming deep from within, from the Spirit of Christ that's dwelling in them. So the more we look, the greater the manifestation of glory. All right? Okay. Another sermon. Right. Second Kings. This prophet Elisha. Second Kings 6. 
I want you to see something here today. You remember last week, Jesus Christ is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right, so God is the same. So the same way he was towards Elisha is the way he is towards you now. The covenant changed, but the God remains the same. Okay, so we're in, even in a better situation. Okay. Right, Second Kings 6, just for time's sake, I'm just going to read a few verses. Verse 8 says, When the king of Syria, Syria was warring against Israel, after counseling with his servants, he said, In such and such a place shall be my camp. Then the man of God, speaking of Elisha, sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you pass not such a place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent to the place uh, which Elisha told and warned him, and thus he protected and saved himself there repeatedly. Therefore the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. He called his servant and said, Will you show me who of us is for the king of Israel? So he thought there was a traitor. Okay, Who of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet, the Tishbite, <laughs> who is in, in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. Talk about hearing in the spirit. right? Being sensitive to what's happening in the spirit. Verse 13, he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. Okay, he just told the king what's happening before they got there. Now he wants to seize that man. I wonder if he thought that that's going to end well, you know. Okay, but anyway. He said, go and see where he is that I may send and seize him. And it was told him he is in Dothan. So the Syrian king sent there horses, chariots, and a great army. Okay, so according to the flesh, this is like the best they can do. Okay, horses, chariots, great army. They came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was around the city. Elisha's servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? It's like, oh, is it now? Verse 16, Elisha answered, Fear not, for those with us are more than those with them. Not those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Those with us are more than those with them. With other words, the natural is totally irrelevant. What's in the supernatural is what's going to give the outcome here. Okay, Those with us are more than those with them. So if God is with us, it doesn't matter who is with you. You know, who is with the enemy. Verse 17. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, I pray you, Open his eyes. Wouldn't you like to see everything that's happening in the spirit? Wouldn't you like to see what God is up to all the time? Okay. Oh Lord, open his eyes. That he may see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Full of horses and chariots of fire. Okay. Right, rewind to Second Kings 2. I, I just want to show something. It might be something small, but um, 
maybe, you know, we can, we can get a revelation here today and get some connection. Okay. Okay, so this is now when Elijah was taken up into heaven. Remember? All right? So you're going to see something now. Let's start reading at verse 5. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Hold your peace. So he says, Yeah, yeah, bless still. <laughs> yes, I know. Hold your peace. Elijah said to him, Tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the, prophet, of the prophets also went and stood to watch afar off. And the two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took, took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the waters. And they divided his way uh, this way and that. So that the two of them went over on dry ground. And when they had gone over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, I pray you, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Okay, so he asked for a, the, a double of what the prophet Elijah had. That's a lot. Okay, so now, what did the prophet Elijah have? They came and they tried to kill him. Fifty people come up to kill him. And he just says, fire, and fire consumes them. You know? When the 500 Baal prophets, he challenged them on a sacrifice and just said, fire, and fire came down from heaven. So that's Elijah, the fire. Okay, the fiery prophet. Okay. So he now wanted double fire. <laughs> the double anointing, verse 10. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. However, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Did you hear that? If you see. If you can see, it shall be so. If not, then too bad. Right? Listen. As they still went on and talked, behold, a chariot of fire and horses of fire parted the two of them. So here comes a chariot of fire. Okay? And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elijah did not go by a chariot of fire into heaven. Elijah went by a whirlwind into heaven. So what's, what's the distinction? The chariot of fire is the importation of what he received, what was on Elijah's life. The chariot of fire was not, in, you, you can read of the fire and the wheels of fire, you know, in Daniel, you can read of the fire, the, the wheels of fire also in, in Ezekiel. Uh, it's, it speaks of stuff that happens in the spirit, okay? So here comes a chariot of fire with horsemen. So he said, if you can see when I go up, you will have it. If not, then you won't. So what did he see? The chariot of fire. That's what he received. Okay? How do you know he saw the chariot of fire and not, was not looking at the whirlwind? Look at this. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So what did he saw? The chariot of fire and the horsemen. So what did he walk in? Chariots of fire and the horsemen. 
back to 2 Kings 6. He says, Oh, Father, open his eyes. So what did the servants see? Chariots of fire on the mountains surrounding them. He got an impartation. Now he walked in more than Elijah. And if you go and calculate the miracles, he had exactly double the amount of miracles written up in the word as Elijah. The last one was when Elisha, you know, in his grave, the dead bones was there, and the, someone chucked in a dead soldier in there. When, his, when the dead guy touched the bones of Elisha, he jumped up, and he was raised from the dead. Okay, last miracles. He, last miracle. He wasn't even alive anymore. And he got <laughs> okay, so I just want you to see this. They still went on talk. Behold, a chariot of fire and horses of fire parted the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. All right? And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. All right. Tore his own clothes. Like he burnt his plows and everything and he left it in the field. And, you know, he was plowing when Elijah called him. Burnt everything and left everything there. Now, he, now the mantle dropped. He saw the chariots. He, he received the impartation. Tore his own clo clothes off. So I'm not walking in my own stuff now. Now I'm picking up something that is supernatural. He took the mantle and he tore his own clothes. So I've been crucified with Christ. Not either live. You leave your natural life behind. And you take up what you have been called to. You take up the anointing imparted from God by the Holy Spirit. And he went and stood by the Jordan, and the river opened up. All right? It's actually, I love Second Kings because it's full of this. The whole book is just full of the supernatural. You can go read it. So how they operated. I mean, imagine that. They, they, they was, were chopping down trees with an axe, and there goes the axe. The flies and fall into the water. So alas, my master, for it was borrowed. It, Cut off a stick and threw it in. Here comes the exit swimming. And the exit did swim, says the King James. Here comes this piece of steel and floats on top of the water. Because the man of God threw in a stick. How much sense does that make? Not a lot. So do you see that if you can see, none of the natural limitations apply to you. If you can see what God is up to, no natural limitation applies to you. All things are possible. Thank you for the woo. Okay. At least, at least we have one woo. Hey, another one and another. Can we get another one? Okay. Hallelujah. All right. You know, this week, just go read Second Kings and see, yeah, just see the supernatural in that guy's life. It's just like First Kings... A second Kings, from there, from 2 to around about chapter 8. It's just astonishing. Okay. Right. 
We read Ephesians. Let's go to Acts. There's a lot of nice stuff in Acts. Acts chapter 9. All right? Saul becomes Paul. (laughs) So here's someone blinded by Moses, going out thinking he's doing God a favor, persecuting the church. Right? Meanwhile, still drawing his breath hard from threatening and murderous desire against the disciples of the Lord who went to the high priest. This is now Saul. Okay? And requested of him letters to the synagogue at Damascus, authorizing him so that if he found any men or women belonging to the way, that was Christianity, was called the way, of life determined by the faith in Jesus Christ, he might bring them bound with chains to Jerusalem. Now, as he traveled on, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground. Then he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So Jesus takes it personally if someone persecutes the church. They're not persecuting the people, they're persecuting him. Why are you persecuting me? Verse 5, Saul said, who are you, Lord? That's a wise answer. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is dangerous and it will turn out badly for you to keep kicking against the goad, to offer vain and perilous resistance. (laughs) Trembling and astonished, he asked, Lord, what do you desire me to do? The Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And men who were accompanying him were unable to speak for, for terror, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Then Saul got up from the ground, but though his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. Okay? So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was unable to see for three days. And he neither ate nor drank anything. So I just believe that was like a natural manifestation of his supernatural blindness coming. Okay? So he says, uh, verse 10, Now there was a... In Damascus, a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he answered, here, I am, here am I, Lord. So he can hear. So here's this guy. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight. And ask at the house uh, of Judas for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying there. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias enter and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. So now Saul started seeing visions because he had something, he had some connection with Jesus. So his spiritual eyes started opening. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many people tell about this man, especially how much evil and what great suffering he has brought on on your saints at Jerusalem. Now he is here and has authority from the high priest to put in chains all who were to call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the descendants of Israel. For I will make clear to him how much he will be afflicted and must endure to suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias left and went into the house and he laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul... The, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you along the way by which you came here, has sent me that you may recover your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he recovered his sight. Then he arose and was baptized. And after he took some food, he was strengthened. 
for several days afterward he remained with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately in the synagogues he proclaimed Jesus, saying he is the Son of God. Okay, did you think Saul changed? Okay. So he had an encounter with someone who is invisible. And that encounter changed everything. It changed the way he saw everything. Changed the way he saw God. Changed the way he saw himself. Changed the way everything. And immediately he started doing the very opposite of what he was doing before. It's not in trying to change yourself so that God can use you. It's in having an encounter with him. That he will change you and work in you and through you. But he's, but he's good pleasure. Alright? I just love that. Okay, Acts chapter 12. Now here's Peter. So, King Herod was against Peter. Killed James, the brother of John. And now he wanted to arrest Peter. Verse 4. Acts chapter 12. When he had seized Peter, he put him in prisons, a prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers. Okay. Or four each. So it's 16 soldiers guarding one guy. Okay. Four squads. 16 soldiers. Pip, um, purposing after the Passover to bring him forth to the people. So he saw that, you know, killing... Uh, James the brother of John you know the people liked it so he wanted to go on with it so verse 5 so Peter was kept in prison but fervent prayer for him was persistently made to God by the church so hey everyone how about we pray in the prayer meetings how, how about we get together and pray if there's a situation let's get some people to agree and we pray alright what, what happens in prayer? There's connection between heaven and earth. And whatever we decree happens. Okay? If we can see it, we can have it. Just think of Elisha. All right. The very night before Herod was about to bring him forth, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Fastened with two change, chains and sentries before the doors were guarding the prison. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, standing beside him. And light shone in the place where he was. And the angel gently smote Peter on the side and awakened him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. It's like one of those movies, you know. It's like <laughs> well, one of these fantasy computer games. You know, it's something like this. And the angel said to him, Tighten your belt and bind on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your outer garment around you and follow me. So he just he woke him up and said, Hey, Peter, Peter, Peter. Okay. Although your plaque is for your yas, come. Okay. Right, so he, he was, it's just so normal. He, he told him, you know, just get dressed, let's go. So all the, all the soldiers are still sleeping. Chains falling off of his hands. And now here he goes. And Peter went out along following him. And he was not conscious that what was apparently being done by the angel was real. But thought he was seeing a vision. So he was used to seeing visions. Okay. So just two chapters before in Acts chapter 10 was the whole thing of Cornelius that we regularly speak about. So Cornelius had a vision. His angel said to him, 
sent for, for, for Peter, that is, at Joppa, at Simon the Tanner's house. And Peter had a vision, you know, of the things coming down, uh, unclean animals. And God said, don't regard unclean what I have cleansed. And he realized, hey, but these Gentiles, I must go with them. So he went and preached the gospel to Cornelius' house. All supernatural stuff, seeing in the spirit. All right, but now listen to this. Uh, Peter went out along following him, and he was not conscious that was, it was real, but he thought it was a vision. Verse 10. When they had passed through the first guard and the second, they came to the iron gate which leads into the city. Of its own accord, the gate, gate swung open. The city's gate. Do you know how big a city's gate is? Do you know how heavy that thing is? Okay. So it just swung open. Stuff the Satanists that can, you know, open doors and stuff. This guy just walked and the city gate flung open like this. And all the, angels, all the soldiers are still asleep. All right. Of its own accord, the city gate swung open. And they went out and passed on through the street. And at once the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I really know and I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting to do to me. When he, at a glance, became aware of this and comprehending all the elements of the case, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where a large number were assembled together and were praying. So now he comes to the house where the people are praying for him to, to come out of prison. Okay, and when he knocked at the, the gate of the porch, a maid named Rhoda came to answer. And recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she failed to open the gate, but ran in and told the people that Peter was standing before the porch gate. They said to her, you are crazy. <laughs> You're crazy, you know. For those who saw, um, what's it, uh, the Jack Black, what's that movie? Um, ach, don't worry, funny movie. All right. But she persistently and strongly and confidently affirmed that it was the truth. They said, it is his angel. But meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. <laughs> and when they opened the gate and saw him, they were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to keep quiet and listen, he related to them how the Lord had delivered him out of the prison. And he said, report all this to James and to the brethren. And he left and went to some other place. All right. So imagine that he was arrested. He was in prison. He was in chains, sleeping between guards in the inner dungeon. And God sent an angel. Chains just fall off. The gates swing open and he just takes him out into the street. Okay? So uh, that's just incredible. So Herod didn't like it and he had all the soldiers executed. Right. Another one, Acts chapter 16, I'll just speak about it quickly. So Paul and Silas was in prison and at midnight they started rattling their chains and started making melody and they started, you know, you know, like those, those industrial people making rhythm, rhythms with dustbins and chains and stuff in their gumboots and whatever. So, so they started singing and then the whole place was shaken. And all the prison doors open. And the prison guard wanted to kill himself. And they said, whoa, 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 we're still all here. Okay. 
And then they preached him the gospel and he got saved. And he, and he took them to his household. The whole household got saved and got baptized. Okay? So the authorities came and said, no, 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 they must now be released. Paul said, no ways. We are Roman citizens and you imprisoned us without a trial. You're going to lead us out and you're going to apologize. <laughs> and it happened. Okay. So just, just think of how the Spirit of God can change a natural situation. Okay. I want you to see in this, what is available for you in the Spirit. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. All right? All right. To see in the Spirit is a greater power, like a superpower. <laughs> it's a greater power <laughs> than to have all the control of politics, to have all the, to, to be in control of a government or, or anything like that. The government of God is the kingdom of God, and it works by the Spirit of God. If we can just surrender our hearts and keep our eyes single and focus on him. I said on Friday, it's like when, when you hunt. Any hunters in the house? Anyone who's ever hunted? One? Okay. Jy nog nooit gejaag nie? Vrachtig. Jy het al gejaag. Okay. Right. Jy het ook al gejaag. Jy ken jaag. Okay. It's like you close the one eye and you look through the telescope with the one eye. And nothing else matters. But that crosshairs is there on the, on the target. And you pull the trigger. Okay? So you need to have a single focus on the cross of Christ, on the face of Jesus Christ. Don't shoot him, but, you know, on the face of Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> all right. To look to Jesus and to receive whatever you see there. You are changed into the image of what you see. If you can see in the spirit, you can be what you see. All right. So look and see. And people will see Christ in your life. Amen. All right. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your goodness. I just pray every person that sees this word, every person that's listened to this, I pray, Lord Jesus, for, for encounters and experiences with the Holy Spirit of, of God. I pray for visions and dreams. I pray for, for the supernatural. I pray for a sense of your presence to just invade every heart and every life in Jesus' name.